All right, if you have a Bible, you can open it to Romans chapter 8, verses uh, 14 through 16. We're on the fourth week of a five-week series that we're doing this summer on the doctrine of adoption. The doctrine of how spiritual orphans like you and me can become the Father's beloved children, loved and looked after by him as if we were his own son, Jesus, and promised the same future that he has given Christ. It's at the heart of the gospel. Uh, You know, for a lot of us, uh, I think the gospel for a lot of us is merely about what we've been saved from and not about what we've also been saved to. For so many of us, the gospel is about God the judge banging his gavel and declaring us innocent. That's it. You know, a a judge can declare you innocent. Does that mean that he likes you? I I have an uncle who is a small-town judge in upstate New York on the Canadian border, and I'm sure he could share with us all plenty of stories of times where he let somebody off, you know, kind of wagging his finger the whole time though, thinking, I'll get you next time. You know, a judge can let you off the hook. It doesn't mean that they give a rip about you. The gospel isn't just about God clearing your name, but becoming your father. It's about him taking you home and letting you sleep in his son's room wear his son's clothes, eat his son's meal, and get a piece of his son's inheritance. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a a Welsh pastor in, in London last century, once said in a sermon, the ultimate object of salvation is not merely to keep us from hell, not merely to deliver us from certain sins, it's that we may enjoy adoption that we may become children of God, that we may become his joint heirs with Jesus. You know, for so many of us, our day-to-day Christian experience is not lived out of having by grace the same legal status as Jesus and enjoying the same loving smile from his heavenly father that Jesus does. And so this is why, this is why we're taking five weeks to slow down and linger on the father's love for us. Five weeks to sit and savor in what the author J.I. Packer says sums up the whole teaching of all the New Testament the knowledge of God as one's holy father. So follow as I read Romans 8, starting in verse 14. Paul writes, For all those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves again, so that you live in fear Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. For the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are 
God's children. So if you've been here the last few weeks, so far, we've looked at the act of adoption. The father, out of his extravagant grace, sending his son Jesus to die on a cross so that we could become children and heirs with him. And then we looked at the plan of adoption. The father wanting and securing us from before time began to be his beloved kids by grace. And then last week we looked at the assurance of adoption. That the father doesn't just want you to know about your sonship, he wants you to feel it too. And so he puts the Holy Spirit in you to whisper his love into your heart. So how do we begin to experience our adoption on a daily level? How can we start to enjoy our big-hearted father? Three words. Cry, Abba, Father. Those three words in verse 15 here represent the biggest change the gospel makes in our lives. We now can pray. Now, I know that the moment I say the word prayer, for about 90% of us in here, we start to feel guilt because we don't think we do it well, embarrassment because we don't think we do it enough, frustration, shame, and we're starting to look at when we can change the topic. And you're not alone. You know, that, that goes whether you are a new Christian or have been a mature Christian for years, and you are not alone in that. You know, the author Paul Miller, who counsels pastors in prayer, says that about 80% of the pastors he meets with don't have a meaningful prayer life. Good news. If you're a Christian, so much of our frustration and discouragement with prayer gets relieved when we apply the gospel of adoption to our prayer life. So here's the big thought. Here's the big idea for everything that I'm about to say. Because of the gospel of adoption, we get to pray like Jesus did. Wouldn't that make things so much easier? And these three words, cry, Abba, Father, will show us how. Uh, last week, we looked at, if you were here, the verses surrounding uh, those words. Uh, and today, I want to slow down, though, and linger on just those three words. I, I want to fill our minds with them. To use an image from Eugene Peterson, I, I want to chew on them like a dog with a bone until, as one Puritan said, our hearts become like burning lamps. All to encourage you that because of the good news of adoption by grace, it means you can pray to your heavenly Father with three things, the confidence, the closeness, and the cry of Jesus himself. So first, our adoption by grace uh, into the Father's home, into his heart, means that we can pray with the confidence of Jesus. You know, in the Gospels, Jesus' relationship to God wasn't just different. It wasn't just kind of unique. It was one of a kind. 
And one word that Paul writes here captures all of that, Abba. All right, Abba is a child's word. I mean, just think how easy it is to say, Abba. All right, this, this is not coming from the pen of some wordsmith. This is the, the first babbling of a toddler who's learning to talk to their father. And Abba was the word that Jesus used to talk to God, which was completely unheard of in his time. You see, if you in that day, in Jesus' day, went to the Jewish synagogue and they were reading from the Old Testament and someone got to the Hebrew name for God, Yahweh, they actually wouldn't say Yahweh. Instead, they would say Adonai, which means Lord. Because saying Yahweh out loud, it was too holy. It was too holy for anyone to even utter that word. And so think how the disciples felt when they are praying with Jesus that first time and they hear him not even call God Yahweh, but call him Abba. Jesus prayed to his heavenly father with the confidence of a toddler. You know, if you're a parent, think for a second about how your kids approach you. Uh, think about the access, the confidence that they have around you. Uh, if, if you've spoken to me after the service uh, for more than five minutes, you have had the privilege of my two kids interrupting our conversation wrapping their arms around my leg and asking for a snack, regardless of how serious the topic was that we were just talking about. Now, they are the only two people in this church who could do that, right? If after this service, you ran up to me, interrupted my conversation, squeezed my leg and asked for the good snacks from the staff office, I would say, this is neither the time nor the place, but we have got some boundary issues to settle here. Nobody gets that sort of access to me, except my kids. And so if they can have that sort of confidence before me, an incredibly imperfect father, then how much can we, how much more can we, his sons and daughters in Jesus, have that type of confidence before our perfect father? Jesus prayed to his heavenly father with the confidence of a toddler. And Paul is saying, because of the gospel of adoption, you can too. You see, praying Abba, Father, isn't about saying a certain word. It's about knowing your certain position. In Jewish society at that time, a servant child could never call the head of the household Abba. That was only something that a free child could say. And Paul is reminding us here through this word, Abba, that in the gospel of adoption, your position is not a forgiven servant, but a full-fledged son. You are not partially adopted. God does not become your second uncle. No, in this gospel of adoption through faith in his son's cross and resurrection, he is just as much Abba for you too. That's what Jesus means in the Lord's Prayer. 
when he teaches us to start our prayers by saying, our Father. He's not, he's not saying to start every prayer by literally saying those exact words. He's inviting us to begin each prayer from the position of a full-fledged son and heir. Do you see how that could change your prayer life? By grace, we get to pray to our good and gracious Father with the same childlike confidence that Jesus had, who at Lazarus' tomb in John 11 prayed, Father, thank you that you always hear me. By grace, you now share in Jesus' sonship, meaning you share in his never-ignored prayers. You know, I think a lot of us, if we were to look at the depiction of the Father that our prayer life portrays, it would reveal a, a distant, remote, not too involved, not too caring for a father. For some of us, that, that's how our biological dads were. Our interruptions were always an annoyance, not their enjoyment. The gospel of adoption means you get to interrupt your heavenly father, grab his leg, and tell him whatever you want. That he is waiting for you to interrupt him. That he delights in hearing what's on your mind. And if even if all you're getting is silence, he is promising you, you are always at the center of my affection. Not everybody gets to do that. Not everybody gets that access to him. Only his children can. And though we could have never earned it for a second, by grace you are now seen through his eyes as just as much a child of his as Jesus. So because of the gospel of adoption, we can pray with the confidence of Jesus. And second, we can pray with the closeness of Jesus. Uh, if you're married, you probably have some little nickname that you use for your spouse. Uh, you know, something that you came up with once, it just kind of stuck. It's your special way of referring to them. I have one that I use for Becca. I call her my pearl. Now, I'm not going to explain the story of how that came about. It's really nothing interesting. Um, but imagine for a second that Becca was here, and uh, after the service, you went up to her and you said, hey, my pearl. <laughs> now, for one, she would probably be a little annoyed and embarrassed that I just told a room full of people this, but then she would probably second very graciously, generously say, I'm so sorry. I don't think we have that type of relationship for you to call me that. You see, there's intimacy in the nickname. Only one person gets to call her that. Me. Sorry. Abba works the same way. Abba is what Jesus called God because Abba was an intimate word. It was a word of affection. See, Abba was first the word of a child, but as someone would grow into adulthood, they would still use that word Abba to express their intimacy, their love for their father. 
When praying to God, though, just like my nickname for Becca, Abba isn't a word that everybody gets to use. Calling God Abba, praying to him as our father, conveys a a level of intimacy that only a son or daughter has. So apart from being adopted into the family through Jesus, if we come to God and we pray Abba, If we try to speak to him with the intimacy of a son apart from Christ, he says, I'm so sorry. I don't think we have that type of relationship yet. But when by grace the father wraps his arm around you and takes you home, when through faith in Jesus' death and resurrection, he now calls you his beloved. When you become Abba's child. Galatians 4, 6 says, the father puts the spirit of his son in you. He puts the praying heart of Jesus in you. Who in John 10 said he and the father are one. And in John 17 prayed that we would be one with them. That we now by grace get to share in that intimacy We get to join in their conversation of love. You know, I think a lot of times we get frustrated with prayer because we don't really know what it is. Abba means prayer is enjoying your Father's presence. It's not only having confidence before Him, but closeness with Him. It's enjoying the intimacy of a good and gracious father who in the gospel will never disown you, who will never write you out of his will. A father who, even though we are all the black sheep in his family, is actually more excited and glad that we are in his presence than we are to be in his presence. A father who in the gospel will never say shame on you, but only grace for you. Prayer is enjoying the closeness of this father and wanting it more. It's enjoying the intimacy of our father whose love, the psalmist says, is better than life itself. You know, P.T. Forsyth, who is a a Scottish theologian, last century, and probably my favorite book on prayer, uh, wrote, prayer is often represented is the great means of the Christian life. But it is no mere means. It is the end of that life. It's of course not untrue to call it a means. It is especially so at first, but at last it is truer to say that we live the Christian life in order to pray rather than that we pray to live the Christian life. Abba means we don't just pray to live, we live to pray. That prayer is the reward. It's the privilege. It's the gift of adoption. Because in prayer, we get to enjoy the closeness of our Heavenly Father. We get to sit under the warmth of His smile. We get to get lost in his embrace of us. 
We get to talk to our Abba with the same intimacy, the same closeness his own son had. So our adoption into the Father's family means we get to pray with the same confidence, same closeness, lastly, with the same cry of Jesus. Uh, Romans 8, this chapter here, it's sometimes been called the victorious Christian life. Uh, It would be much better to call it the realistic Christian life. Because listen to what Paul says in the verse just after our passage. He writes in verse 17, Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. You know, we're going to look at this more next week in the, the last week in this series, but the Christian life is one of suffering now and glory later. It's one of momentary pain, sadness, and sorrow, followed by resurrection beauty forever. And this makes sense of how Paul says that we pray, Abba. He says we cry it. Now, some Bible commentators have tried to make sense of this word for cry here as a cry of victory. And I think there's some support for that, but I think the overwhelming support is to see this word here as a cry of distress. Uh, In Job 35, it's the word that is used for people crying out because of injustice. In Psalm 3, it's the cry of David on the run from his son leading a coup. In Mark 5, it's the cry of a demon-possessed man. In Mark 10, it's the cry of a blind man. In Matthew 27, it's the cry of a condemned man, Jesus, as he's hanging on the cross for our sins. Kradzo, the the Greek word used here, it's a cry of distress, of pain, of helplessness. It's a cry of somebody in tune with the brokenness of the world, the brokenness of other people, and the brokenness of themselves to that they realize, I can't do life on my own anymore. You know, the secret to prayer is your helplessness. It's not about getting more disciplined. It's not about starting better habits, becoming a morning person or an evening person. No, it it is about getting in tune with your need. Apart from that, prayer will always feel forced, flat, or futile. It's not until we come alive to our helplessness, until we come alive to our own need for the Father's grace that our prayer life will come alive to. You know, prayer is voicing our need, our inability to do life on our own. It's an invitation to join in the divine weakness of the Son of God who in John 5.30 said, I can do nothing on my own. 
You know, this may shock you. There has never been another person on this earth who was as helpless as Jesus, who was as in need as Jesus, who was as incapable of doing life on their own as Jesus. And that is good news because it means you don't have to either. Adoption by grace means that prayer is like Jesus putting words to our helplessness and voicing it to your Father. Our Father, who because of the perfect work of Jesus for us will never shame us, condemn us, or withdraw from us who finds our need, our weakness, our helplessness irresistible. Who Paul calls in 2 Corinthians the father of compassion and God of all comforts. Who Martin Luther says is quick to catch the sigh of the hearts. Who when one of his children cries out, the weaker the child is, the more concerned he is. Whose compassion gets invoked by our suffering and sin. And who, when we are at our weakest, loves us the strongest. And we will always have more need of the gospel than we are aware of. And that's good news because the Father longs to meet you in your need. It is where he does his best work. Your helplessness is the channel through which you will experience the love of the Father flood your heart. And the way that you experience that is through prayer. It's through crying, Abba, Father. It's through crying for a changed heart, even more than changed circumstances. For renewal, even more than relief for coming alive to your Father's love in the places of your greatest need. Do you see how adoption by grace can change your prayer life? We get to pray like Jesus did. All because of the lengths the Father's Son was willing to go to make us sons and daughters with him. You see, because of Jesus, we can pray with the confidence that the Father will always hear us because on the cross, his perfect son got the deaf ear of his father so that we, his children by grace, will always have his attention. We can pray in the closeness with our father that Jesus had because in his crucifixion, the father's beloved son was left for dead so that we can have the Father's never forsake us nearness. And we can pray with the cry of Jesus because when we needed him the most in the garden of Gethsemane, as he contemplated the agony of what was waiting for him, our brother by grace cried for us Abba, Father, and then went to the cross so we could cry it too. Thanks be to Christ. Let's pray.
Father, thank you that you do not turn us away in our weakness, our helplessness, our need. That adopted into your family, into your heart by grace at the price of your prized heir, your cherished son, Jesus. We now get to pray like he did. We get to pray with the same confidence, the same closeness, the same cry of your own son. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would make the gospel of adoption bring us alive, the Father's love, and that we would enjoy that in prayer. Amen.